I am Simone Cipriani and I am an officer of the United Nations. And I'm Claire Press and I'm a sustainable fashion journalist. You are listening to the Ethical Fashion Podcast. We can change the world. Welcome back to Series 3 of the Ethical Fashion Podcast, which we told you in last week's teaser is all about sustainability. We're going to be focusing this series on things like ESG frameworks and measuring climate and biodiversity impacts and the challenges of ensuring that supply chains are transparent and free from modern slavery. We'll be looking at materials and fair work and investment and also how we communicate on sustainability. We're talking to friends and experts about what's driving these conversations in fashion today, starting with... Hello, this podcast we are going to speak to have a conversation with Carlo Capasa, chairperson of Camera della Moda, the association of the Italian fashion brands. A very big deal. And very big deal also because the EFI collaborates with Camera della Moda in organizing their incredible fashion sustainability awards. This is a new thing. It's indeed a new thing. It's a new undertaking for Camera della Moda because they want to really promote sustainability by having a meaningful set of awards for companies and designers and and activists who are really sustainable. We're going to unpack some of the due diligence work that you've been collaborating on. Indeed, we are testing our ESG due diligence system with them, with their members, and this helps us in not only in developing and perfecting it, but also in having a very a ground level, a very down-to-earth conversation on sustainability and the main issues. Because when you speak with the Italian fashion system about sustainability, you've got to bear in mind that 70% of the supply chain of the luxury industry, fashion luxury industry, is in Italy. So if you speak about sustainability in the supply chain in Italy, you've got really to speak about issues. Sustainability is one of CNMI's key pillars, and they've been working on it for a long time. We're going to hear about how they began with chemicals, setting up industry working groups to agree on guidelines around things like water treatment, and also how to deal with hazardous substances or replace them in raw material processing, and also looking at ethics in the supply chain and working conditions. And by the way, if you feel like the sound on this one is a bit echoey, like maybe our guest is in an old stone palazzo on holiday, that's because he was, <laughs> which I was. What else? Oh, okay. Uh, on the Sustainability Awards, if you want to see a list of all the recipients, you can hop onto CNMI's website. A couple that stood out for me, the Human Rights Award went to Dr. Rubana Hook. She's amazing. She's the ex-president of the BGMEA. That's the Bangladeshi Garment Manufacturers Association. And then the Climate Action Award went to La Soledad and Gucci for their work on a regenerative farming project in Uruguay. And there was also a Pioneer Award, which was received by the amazing American sustainable brand builder, Eileen Fisher. Simone, we're recording this in Milan. Indeed we are. And yet, I've still got an Australian way of saying Milan. Milan no, you've got Milan. A, very per- a very good way to say Milan. I've got a very Italian way to say that, which is Milano. And actually, I have an accent from Central, from Florence and from, from Tuscany. Is there some rivalry between these two places? There is no rivalry, but there's the truth, the fact that the Italian language was born in Tuscany. <laughs> 
there isn't rivalry, but there's the truth, which that's is way truth, better. Which is a way better than rivalry. <laughs> Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Carlo Capassa, chairperson of Camera Nazionale della Moda Italiana. We are going to have an incredible podcast today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to have me with you. Okay. I actually want to start with just a little bit of context for those who might not know. Could you tell us about Camera della Moda? What's its role? It's the National Chamber for Italian Fashion, right? How does it operate? Thank you, Claire. Uh, Camera della Moda Italiana is a no-profit association uh, and uh, founded in 1958 uh, and uh, promote and support the value and the development of Italian uh, fashion in Italy and worldwide. Uh, it's based in Milan, where we also uh, take care of the fashion weeks, uh, men's and women in the city. And uh, the, the, the association represents the most famous uh, Italian brand, more than 220. All the ones that uh, uh, people they know in the world, like uh, Bottega Venera, Dolce Gabbana, Pucci, Etro, Fendi, Armani, Gucci, Missoni, Moncler, Prado, Tibic. Ferragamo, Prussardi, Valentino, Versace, Zegna. I thought you were going to say you couldn't mention any of them. I love how you mentioned them all. <laughs> well, I will continue to mention the other 200 uh, <laughs> later. <laughs> but for the moment, I mean, uh, all the brands that are part uh, of Camera della Moda, the most important brands, and all together they represent more than 75% directly and indirectly of the turnover of Italian fashion. That is the second industry of the country with the 100 billion or turnover. Carlo, let's talk about the Sustainable Fashion Awards of Camera della Moda at the EFI. We are super happy to be collaborating with you and with your organization on them. My question is, what are you hoping to achieve by creating the awards? Well, they represent the commitment uh, to the uh, construction of a shared path. Uh, we have to find a new way to, uh, of living together, you know, and uh, as to be based on the path between uh, human being and nature. Camera Nazionale has put in this uh, at the center of its strategy, this idea of a new way of doing fashion. Our Sustainable Fashion Award is about that, giving some awards to people that we think they did something great in fashion or beside fashion. And doing that with the Ethical Fashion Initiative of the United Nations is an honor for us because we believe that, that like that, our voice can be as louder as possible and we can really try to influence not just the people in the street, but also the brands, the people that they work in fashion. We want to be a point of reference and a stimulus to be more responsible. This award, uh, we look to what we believe are important categories, like, for example, biodiversity, the philanthropy, the ocean, the climate, uh, like all the social sustainability that we never have to forget, the artisanship and the new designers, you know, all the important categories will, will be touched by those awards. I must say that uh, our president, our jury, is uh, Ellen MacArthur from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. I think uh, this was uh, giving a great idea about something that is central at the moment for our industry. And this is a circular economy. We have to be very aware that the planet, the world, the system, the economy works better and probably works only if we understand deeply what does it mean to be a circular 
in fashion. Besides who received the prize, and we hope that our jury will always find the best people for the prize, but it's not that the point. The point is the message. It's the message around the world, and the message is if you try to be sustainable, it's very good for everybody. And let's put this on the center of our agenda. It made me think we've all had conversations about how we can't return or don't want to return to a pre-pandemic normal. We shouldn't lose the chance to make this moment of change. And I see the difference. Growing in ambition to do more. Yeah, we have, uh, we have to know. First of all, we have to be very honest, understanding where are we and what we can do better. And then going in the direction to grow. You know, I, I think that uh, we have to be very, very transparent. Why is it so important that these awards are done in Italy, in your opinion? Well, uh, we have to think that in Italy we have 70% of the production for uh, high-quality brands. And of course, we are in connection with many uh, other uh, countries where we try to cooperate, and this is very important. But uh, being uh, representing majority of the production for high-quality brands in the world gives us a strong responsibility. Uh, yes. It's an honor to be, it's a pleasure, it's great, but it's a strong responsibility because it's up to our, on our shoulder to be more relevant when we talk about respecting the planet, respecting the people. And so I believe that Italy is the right place. We don't need to be, we obviously need to do the hard work of making change behind the scenes and actually getting a prize doesn't mean that you've done all the jobs, right? But there is something very powerful about the media moment that comes behind awards shows. I mean, think about the Oscars. Just think about the number of clicks that are generated by what people wear. Well, I think that uh, the, the, the uh, award, they are an important moment for communication. In a sense, this is an Oscar for fashion. <laughs> I think that uh, the rule of an awards like that is uh, worldwide is to really move the people from the inside. It's really to change the way of thinking. It's a, a cultural moment uh, made sometimes in a pop way, you know, like uh, involving everybody, trying to be glamorous. And I don't think there's anything wrong to be yeah. glamorous. Carlo, we are working together on an ESG due diligence system, the EFI and Camera della Moda, and the set of performance tools, performance monitoring tool, what do you hope for this system to become? Well, this for me is one of the most important uh, uh, matter. Today it's very difficult to say to a community, to consumers, uh, who is more uh, sustainable, who is not. And so today it's very easy, easy to have this, what we call the greenwashing. No? Anybody who declares, I'm doing this and this is sustainable, can say to the people, to the community, to the consumers and people, they say, wow, this is a, this is a, a brand, this brand is for sure sustainable. Well, I think this work on the ESG is crucial because finally we will define uh, uh, rules and we will define the numbers to judge which brands they're working in a more sustainable way, uh, generally speaking, with the, the three aspects that matter. And one is the environmental, the other is the social and the other is the governance. So I believe very much that the rule ESG for fashion is so important and will change completely the relation between consumers and brands. 
There's so much legislation on the horizon. The EU's new corporate sustainability due diligence directive, there's the circular economy action plan. We've just seen that on a biodiversity, the, the European Commission is releasing proposals for a new law there. And also stuff's happening in the US with the New York Fashion Act. There's been new legislation in California to ban peace rates for garment workers. This seems like a moment in time when finally lawmakers are catching up with the industry, which has been marking its home its own homework in the past, right? Where do you see this headed? How are your members preparing for this raft of new legislation? Well, uh, we are studying. We have all those round table all together because... Um, Something important to understand about when we talk about sustainability is that you cannot do sustainability by yourself. You do as a system or you don't do. <laughs> so all the brands are cooperating together to try to find the best solution to those problems and to, fi- to try to b- find the best rules and to share those best rules. I believe that this is uh, crucial because without that, we risk that uh, mm, uh, we will lose the center of the problem. I think the work on ESG is part of this, because once we define which are the most important rules, which are the most uh, important guidelines that they give the sense of what we are doing, uh, uh, defining that is giving a compass to everybody. We understand the direction, and we need today to understand the direction. Brands have traditionally not, well, it varies, obviously, but I would imagine that Many brands are reluctant to commit the funds required to make real change. Uh, is it? Are we looking at leveling a playing field when we have legislation where it's it lifts everybody because you have no choice? Of course, we need the legislation. We need to talk with. Uh, in Italy, we are talking with the government. We are talking in Europe with the government, and uh, the, our our alliance with the United Nations to talk to the world. Because what we really need today is to have one voice and to try to understand that what we want to do must be real. It must be something that we can do, not something just uh, generic. And we have to be very, very clear about uh, the result. I, did, I think that the agenda 2030 was very important because it gave us some precise uh, 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 rules and something that we have to reach with the dates, with the uh, uh, timing, you know, and this is very important. I think that the Fashion Pact uh, w- was a great initiative because it gave a, a real story, idea, also there with dates, with, the, with the, uh, uh, some uh, uh, challenges. And I think we have to work like that, you know. So I believe very much that today everything is much more clear. We still have to make it more simple, but it's much more clear than it used to be before. Now we know that we have some rules and we have some time and the time is not too long. We have to get those uh, uh, challenges, we have to arrive to the challenges in the maximum seven years, we say. Okay, that's a good time. And, and honestly, Carlo, since when we started collaborating around this, I see a lot of availability among all your members and at least the ones that participate in all the workshops and the meetings and also the availability to commit investment and so on. So really, as you say, this 
Also, this legislation is also a way to facilitate their approach to sustainability, to supply a guideline, and it's the role of legislation at the end of the way, which is, which is that of supplying a guideline and then an enforcement mechanism, of course, and all the rest. But there is another theme around which we are both passionate, and it is craft. It's craft, it's part of the uh, Italian heritage in the industry of fashion. Whenever you speak about Italian fashion, you speak also about craft. I see also many young designers today in Italy, but also outside Italy, all over the world, getting back to handmade processes. Would you agree on that? Uh, have you the same, do you have the same perception, uh, what's going on around craft in the fashion industry? Well, I think that uh, there are two points that are very important uh, in, uh, in fashion for me. Craftsmanship is for sure, because this means uh, to give value to the people, to give value to the work, to give value to creativity. And when we put at the center of our work creativity, also the new generation, they, they, have, uh, uh, they are motivated uh, to do that so if we, if our business become all, only marketing you know new generation they think in a different way fortunately <laughs> and so i believe that the idea of being involved with something that where you can use your hand where you can give the value to some traditional way of working and try to make it even modern with those traditional way of working sometimes mixing uh, craftsmanship with technology, I think, is the new frontier, no? Uh, uh, and it's not, not only fashion. I've seen agriculture. Many young generations want to go back to agriculture, mixing the handwork and the technology. The creativity starts with your hand, with what you can do and what you can, do, you can think, uh, connecting the brain and the hand. Well, it's yeah. heritage, isn't it? It's heritage. the heritage of fashion. When I think about Italian fashion, there is this strong heritage element and you do think of the most beautifully made things and that comes from silk weaving or comes from leather making or it's heritage of craft and I think it's interesting for sustainability because when we invoke the importance of heritage and craft we can almost use it to get away with not focusing on the hard things which might be chemicals or supply chains, but there is a real core of craft and heritage at the center of making things to last. So it's about a balance. What do you think? No, I think um, before I said there are two things important we transmit, we, we give to the new generation. And one is uh, this, uh, the craftsmanship. The second is uh, the concept of durability. Because uh, uh, we have to tell them how important something is durable. At the base of sustainability, there is the idea that you make something that could stay there for a very, very long time. Use and throw is the opposite of sustainability. Uh, we've been a little bit fascinated by this idea that one shirt could cost less to buy than to wash, you know? And you can change a shirt every couple of days. Well, we found out that it's a disaster for the planet, this, uh, this philosophy. And so now we have to make clear to the new generation the value of durability. And when you put together craftsmanship, uh, technology, because I believe always in the past mixed with the future. So craftsmanship and technology and the concept of durability be behind all what you're doing and creativity. I think these, those are the real strong points and is what we have to transmit to the new generation. If we do that, we will have a better future. 
I do worry though that we allow brands to get away with focusing on that as their strategy, which is actually what they do anyway. If you talk to a luxury brand, they already focus on beautiful fabrics, durability, longevity. They don't design things to be thrown away anyway. So it's not enough to have that as your strategy when it comes to ESG and sustainability. We need to do more to push the conversation to be concrete targets. And this is clear is exactly the reason why we are collaborating together on this ESG due diligence and performance measuring tool. Because you, you this way you offer the industry the possibility to quantify targets and risks and to manage them. Let's talk about chemicals because you've actually pioneered work on that, right? Chemicals is an important point. And uh, CNMI has done a lot of work uh, on chemicals. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Ah. You, you know, uh, uh, as I said before, there is one part that is... Uh, strategic, general, and this is the idea, the concept, the philosophy, and this is very important to think. But then, if you don't put on the floor what you think should be done, then we only talk and we don't do anything. So this is why when we started, for example, with our table in the Camera La Moda, the first table... A round table where you bring together all the different players? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We brought together all the, the CSR uh, experts of different brands, creating this uh, new idea of working together. There was already a revolution because before everybody was working on his own in fashion, but created this idea that uh, sustainability we do all together. So let's sit on a table and share the best practices, share the best ideas, and try to find a common way to work. It started from something very, very... Uh, banal, <laughs> all the brands they went to different producers asking for, uh, requesting some different performance in terms of uh, trichrome uh, or, or other chemical, uh, you know, substances. And so we said, uh, this is a nightmare. Everybody's asking for different. And then for exporting different countries, you had the different rules. So let's, we said, let's do something together. Let's be also a little bit, uh, uh, I mean, uh, trying to do something that is not so obvious. Let's try to push it. And then we push those numbers at the level that was the maximum possible level with the technology we have. And we share those numbers. We say, okay, those are the number, the guideline for the system. Having all those, uh, those mills and manufacturing, we had also the relation with them because they participated with us to the chemical uh, uh, guidelines. We had all the manufacturing for Unix, that is all the tanneries. We had, uh, uh, and they sign our documents. We are all the producer of fabric of uh, Smith, uh, that they sign our documents. So we involved Confindustria Moda, all the system, all the chain, fashion chain in Italy, to sign those documents. And we share those rules that they are very practical and they work. You know what was the great uh, news that I heard uh, a few months ago, 92% of Italian producers that work following our uh, uh, guidelines on chemicals. And this is uh, incredible because uh, you, you are free to do or not. And uh, the fact that they do it means that they were very, very right and uh, was a real uh, growing for the whole system, you know. And uh, of course, those rules can, can be even better in the future, as better technology we have, we can have a challenge about reducing more and more and more the chemicals. We want to arrive almost to zero. And, but already, if you look at where are we today and where we were in 2015, is a, 
incredible, like 10 times less. And what about labor, Carlo? I know that Camera della Moda has worked with Orit van Herden, who is probably the most prominent expert today on human rights and labor. Yeah, it was great to work with them. I thought it was important to not hide under a finger. We said, let's analyze how is the situation in Italy. We knew from uh, a fair wage, you know, uh, that uh, is the association. Yes. Uh, uh, we knew uh, the non-profit association that uh, in, the, in the world the situation was quite dramatic when we talk about labels. But we said, okay, let's analyze what's happened in Italy. And so we want to have an independent uh, association analyzing. They went to interview people, workers, uh, not in their brand, because the brand is very easy. They are all happy to work in the brand and they are mm. all treated very well. But we went to the uh, all the um, suppliers and sub-suppliers talking with the people, they went. And what we found out was very interesting. We found out uh, that there is some good side in Italy. I think it was something good that we don't talk a lot. Uh, fortunately, I heard uh, that they are now in the uh, Europe, in Europe, they are talking about uh, this, the system in Italy as a good system. It is the collective contract. Because when we have a collective contract, it means uh, that uh, all that contract is valid for everybody. And once you have a contract, yes. for example, for textile, there there is the minimum you have to get in terms of amount, but there is also the minimum in terms of uh, all the other rules. That they yeah, are working ready. conditions, everything. The working condition, uh, uh, health condition, uh, yes. the treatment of the family, if you have children, uh, uh, you know, and what's yeah. happening if you're pregnant. Well, so... All those uh, contracts, important contracts, they are the base of the Italian labor. Because, uh, as you know, we had a very strong left political party in Italy in the last 50, 60, 70 years after the war. And so this was pushing very much to find a good uh, contract for the labors. This is the good. What is uh, wrong? That sometimes some um, uh, uh, unions that they are not like the most famous unions, they can do some side contract that they are not exactly the same level of those uh, big unions contract. And this gray area, we have to solve because uh, we cannot have a gray contract different from each other, from same uh, categories of workers. Something else that we found out was that uh, uh, women, they are still not treated exactly the same as, as men. Uh, we have a majority of women working in fashion uh, in textiles, 64%, in the old fashion, 55, 67%. But when we go to the top level of the board and top manager, it's more men than women. And we say, and this is uh, something we have to correct. And sometimes, at the same level of rules, women, they can get uh, from 15 to 20% le less, I'm talking about man top manager, yes. in, in the wages. So, also, this is something we have to make it better. But... On the opposite, we found that uh, fashion was the only industry that in the last five years reduced is a regular workers of 16%. And this is a good news. One six. One Re six. What, reducing home workers by 16%? By 16%. Irregular workers. Irregular workers. Irregular because, workers. Uh, in, in all fashion, there is many regular workers. Yes. And, uh, and so and there's a struggle... All countries. That means workers that they are not that they are paid uh, not uh, regularly. That they don't appear. <laughs> you understand what I mean? And uh, fortunately, we found out that the number in Italy is very limited. 
and also is reducing more and more and more. So we're talking about, which happens in fashion every country, unfortunately, undocumented, hidden workforce, maybe it's outworkers. And there was that story in the New York Times that came out a few years ago about home workers in the South being paid very little to yeah. make, to make yeah. a, a luxury coat, for example. We know that this happens, but are you able to look it head on and say, all right, we need to act on this and make sure our industry lifts yeah. its game? Yeah, we, we know that it's happened and we know how it does it happen. It, it happened because when a big brand sometimes has a supplier and gives a lot of money for handmade coat to the supplier, and the supplier has a sub-supplier that has another sub-supplier, and probably those sub-sub-supplier, they, at the end, end asking those women to work from home. But the problem is not the home working, because home working, I think, is something very, very modern, because mm. I think that the woman that can work from the house, taking care of the family, is great. Is respecting some uh, the, the, the rule of the women as long as you pay them properly. <laughs> so the problem mm -hmm. was not that they are home workers, but they were not properly paid and they were not registered. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And the New York Times found that, and I was very happy to say, you're right, there, was, there are 2,000 of those women working there, and this is very good because all the brand finding this out, they start to control much more. And they said, and in the new contract is written, no sub suppliers then can do that. And so there is much more control. On the other hand, we are working with the different regions. In Italy, say, try to involve those women in the work. We don't want that they lose the job. We want that those women they have the chance to work regularly because they have a good dance. On the same moment when the New York Times wrote that, there was a, 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 a research made, I think, by Pierce. There was a research, anyway, uh, American research, saying that uh, 12,000 irregular people, they work only in the city of New York in fashion. So absolutely, absolutely. The problem is not to point out the 2,000 in Puglia, that is a big region, uh, but is to work to point out the many thousand and probably hundred and hundred thousand in some countries full of people that they work uh, underpaid uh, with no contract uh, or uh, in, in, in this uh, hide and away. Well, so we have to be we have to be courageous. We cannot say, uh, "Oh, look there." We have to say. I have to take care of my problem, and all together we have to take care of all the problems. I didn't and like we that. joined, and we yeah. took action on it together, Carlo, because the ESG due diligence system that we have developed and that we are testing together has a very strong component. The main component is on labor, and it's exactly about uh, finding out if there is the risk of this kind of irregular labor in the supply chain, and therefore to enable companies to eliminate it completely, as you say. So it's another mm. uh, demonstration of the fact that the commitment to eliminate this is there, and we are developing the tools also to assess this risk of irregular work in the supply chain. And I want to say thank you for being so candid about that, because this is the work. This is how ESG needs to be applied yes. in the fashion system globally. And it actually has to be looked at and discussed. And then we have to say, how do we fix it? And that's what this work is. So I'm really glad that you're open to talking about that. I think it's really good. And Thank you. The ESG due, due diligence system we elaborated 
wouldn't be a good system without this partnership and the possibility of testing and addressing all these problems together because the amount of knowledge in terms of ESG that you find in the Italian fashion system is unbelievable. Unbelievable. We are benefiting from this kind of knowledge to perfect the system mm. and to make it bulletproof, somebody would say, uh, and to be applied all over the world. Yeah, but in fact, uh, Claire, what I didn't like about those articles, I'm a reader of New York Times, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, uh, and I think they do a great job all the time. But this article I didn't like because it said, this is the Italian way. And what my answer was, unfortunately, this is the worldwide way. And it's actually a very fraction, because we can say the number is a fraction in Italy, but this is somewhere not a fraction, somewhere is very relevant. So let's not, uh, 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 you know, go and say, oh, I'm a good, uh, like, uh, no, we are all together and we have to have to make it. A real fashion pact about that. Mm -hmm. Let's do together. Let's be clear. Let's, when we found out something wrong, let's say, I found this wrong in my system and you find this wrong in your system. Let's work together to find a new way to, to respect the workers. This must be, we cannot think to sell clothes that is something beautiful uh, if we don't have the ethic behind the clothes. And the main ethic is about respect people. So I believe that this must be something we do together. I can assure you that the brands, they will be more than happy because the brands, they don't save money on this system. There's somebody in between that makes a lot of money in this system. And we have to kill this, uh, this, the system. We have to mm. be very transparent and respect the worker to the end. I also think that in sustainability, we should recognize more that there is so much will to make positive change. And actually, we have come a long way. It's very easy for us to say, perhaps as media or looking for the sensational story, fashion is terrible, but it's less easy or it's less sexy as a headline to say, look at all the collaboration that's happening. Yeah, you know, Claire, I believe that when you build everything on aid, on, uh, on uh, uh, critics uh, just for criticism, but not uh, uh, positive critics, uh, it's just not uh, working. I think we should be positive. This means understanding where we are wrong, be honest, transparent, and find solution. I want, when somebody say, tell me, this is wrong, I say, okay, tell me which is the solution to make it good. This is the point. We have to find solution, even if it takes time. We know that it is not easy. We know that it is not uh, one day and we are all sustainable. But there is the possibility. And when we talk about fashion, let's talk about what is fashion. Because there is a big difference about fast fashion and about uh, high quality fashion. And we have to, be, uh, to have the courage to say that. I hope, my deepest hope, uh, that fast fashion change that becomes democratic fashion, not fast, probably more expensive, for sure more expensive, but respectful of, the, uh, of all the rights, the right of creativity to the right of the people, uh, to the right of the planet. And when we will change that part of fashion, the all fashion together will have a strong benefit. I know that there is a lot of innovation in the area of materials. What do your members think about this? 
where do you see this heading? I see materials around that didn't exist 20 years ago and they have become mainstream in fashion today. Well, absolutely. I think this is a new frontier. As I said, uh, some people, they believe that to be sustainable is going back in the past. I think that in the past, we were not sustainable at all. Mm. We just didn't have the possibility to measure properly the impact. So to be sustainable, I think we have to use technology and uh, to use creativity. Orange fiber, that is... Ah, yes, is, uh, I remember, is, I remember. Is, uh, uh, those lady from Sicily, young, from Sicily, young yes. women from Sicily using the oranges to make a fiber that works very well. This is very beautiful. The fruit at uh, apple skin uh, yes. made uh, from the apples. But today we know that there are many, many other things. Uh, fabric made from bananas, uh, made from uh, uh, sea wigs. Uh, I mean, there are a lot, a lot of new ideas, new stories, new fabrics. Uh, 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 and also, not only new fabric, but also a, a different use of water, different use of, of colors, uh, much more natural, uh, like the new story of indigo um, that is uh, happening now uh, about a natural, completely 100% natural uh, indigo color. So we are working on new systems, new ideas, new fabrics, and this is the future. I think that uh, uh, also because we have to face the fact that there is a scarcity uh, the mm. cotton is limited because uh, you need yeah. water for cotton. This wool is limited. The silk mm. is limited. So we have to find new fabrics, and those fabrics have to be respectful for the ambient. I think uh, the most important revolution will happen there. I have a personal question for Carlo. Do you wear linen, linen uh, shirts in summer? Well, linen shirt in summer is very nice because it gives... Uh, <laughs> gives uh, this idea of freshness that there is no other fabrics that uh, they they can give, you know. But and it's uh, very good material linen. It's it's sustainable. It's a very good one. But I think that this is an old example of something sustainable. Exactly, an old and, example uh, because it used to be a thing also for our fathers. You know, my 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 father. If you ask me something personal, my father, there was a very particular man. He only slept in the sheet in the linen sheets. You see, you see. He, he couldn't. Wow. He said, "Don't give me those, this cotton. Don't give silk. Not even silk." He said, "It's hot. It's too warm. Linen is the the sheets must be linen." So I grown up in my house. You could only have <laughs> the, the the pillow and the sheets. They only linen, nothing else. And then there the is. There is such a as a as a non as the only non-Italian on this call. There is, and I've just been in Milan. There is such a beautiful sensitivity for quality in Italy. There really is. Yeah, you you know, Claire. When when I I, I work in fashion since ever, in my parents they they they, they have my mother. They used to have until I see actually uh, stores, beautiful stores with many different brands. And uh, what uh, is uh, very interesting uh, is that. Uh, and they always loved, uh, you know, fashion. So fashion is very related to Italian people in the family and all that uh, is very related. But uh, when we I started to work uh, and uh, having contact with the, uh, the beginning, I'm talking about uh, the, the seven, late 70s, early 80s with the American customers, they said, well, linen is not possible to be sold. It's a string, you know, it, it's always, it looks, you look destroyed. 
And I, uh, I always say, yeah, this is the beauty. <laughs> Jackie looks destroyed. Yeah, but this is the... And so at the beginning, it was very difficult. Very difficult to sell outside. Yeah, you're right. I remember those days also. <laughs> Carlos, thanks a lot. <laughs> that was the greatest ending. It was a great ending on linen and the father who only slept in linen. It's beautiful. <laughs> It was really perfect. Good. Sorry for my English, but you know, I'm Italian. Ha, Grande and... Carlo e viva il lino! <laughs> pigiama. No, la bellezza, la bellezza. Il pigiama, mio padre dice, il pigiama è il lino. Allora, a, 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 io non uso il pigiama, ma dovevo andare in ospedale, non fare, allora... Sì. Thank you for listening, my friends. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at ethicalfashioninitiative.org and we are on Instagram at ethicalfashion. Can you help spread the word and share our story with your friends on social media? Our mission is to work towards sustainable development and create long-term impact in the communities where we operate. Through extensive training and mentorship, we build capacity and enable artisans to produce for the international market. Through this program, workers are empowered and can lift themselves out of poverty. Not charity, just work.